want to go to Matthew chapter 13, and we're looking at kingdom vision. Our, the theme of the last really couple of months has been in the book of Matthew, and it's been the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's what Matthew's all about. It's Jesus showing that he's bringing his kingdom, and he's bringing his, uh, his truth to the world. And it's really a wonderful passage today. I say that every time. They're all wonderful. But there's a great passage about our hearts and spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. And so, for instance, if you look down, I'm going to just bring you right into the middle of the text today. And I want you to notice verse number 16. So, Matthew 13 and verse number 16 why don't we read this together? And if you have a red letter Bible, you know these are the words of Jesus, but let's read it out loud together. You can follow along in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen, but Matthew 13 and verse number 16, would you read this out loud together with me? Begin. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Now he's not speaking about the physical nature of their eyes and their ears. He's, he's not telling them that, you know, it's good that they have their uh, fully functioning sight and fully functioning hearing. That's not what he's speaking about. He's speaking about their spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears. See, it's possible, it would be possible for you to be in the room this morning. It'd be possible for you to be part of the service today, to have heard the songs to listen to the message, to have the Bible read, for you to actually see it on the page or see it, the words here, or hear it all around you, to see it but not really see it, and to hear it physically but to not hear it spiritually. And that's what Jesus is speaking about. And he looks at his disciples and he says, he says, you are so blessed because, because your eyes can see me for who I am and your ears hear the truth of what I'm saying. So I just ask you this morning, are you ready today to open your eyes and to open your ears and to hear what God has for you? You ready? Well, let's back up then to verse number one. Matthew 13 and verse number one. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. Doesn't that, uh, Pastor Eric, if you're talking about the weather, doesn't that sound nice? Day by the seaside right about now in the middle of February. So they went out there on the, on the seaside. And verse number two, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So Jesus has become very, very popular. His teaching has become very popular. So he, he goes and he's just having a time by the seaside with his disciples. But pretty soon there's such a huge crowd of people gathered near him. There's a boat nearby. And he obviously gets permission to use the boat. And he steps in the boat. And they just, they just go out a little bit into the water. And so he's out, I don't know, 20, 30 feet maybe, I, I couldn't tell you, but he's out a little ways on the water, and the whole crowd of people gather around the shore to hear what he is going to say. 
I'd imagine that the water amplifies his voice for all to hear. And so, so, there, so there's Jesus sitting in a boat and this whole crowd of people standing on the shore. Now, from this, verse number three, and he spake many things unto them in, what's the word? In parables. He spoke many things to them in parables. The section in the book of Matthew that we are about to, that we are about to enter into is the kingdom parables. There's a whole series of parables that Jesus would teach. Now, if you like a definition to, uh, to help with that word, what is a parable? Well, many people have used this illustration. Many people have used this, or this definition of a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. How many of you have heard that definition before? Well, if you've not, write it down. A parable is what kind of story? It's an earthly story. In other words, it's using everyday earthly objects. And in fact, we're about to see the first one, which is a, a farmer who goes out and he plants seeds. That's a very earthly story. But the meaning of the story does not have primarily an earthly message behind it. The meaning is not earthly, but heavenly. He's teaching a heavenly truth with an earthly example. Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, what Jesus is doing here is he's using an illustration to help us understand. He's using an illustration to help us understand. How many of you say, yeah, that's what's going on? Okay. Well, yes, but also no. Because we understand the parables. But when Jesus was giving the parables, do you know who understood them? Nobody. Nobody understood what he was saying. In fact, when they were originally given, you'll see in a few verses, that the parables were actually concealing the truth, not openly revealing the truth. And that's, a real, that's really interesting. So if you're like, well, why would that be? Well, stick with me as we go on. We look at this like, oh, look, an illustration. Let's use a nice illustration to help us understand. But it was actually more difficult for the people to understand rather than Jesus just saying it plainly to them. Well, why? What's going on here? What well, has to do with spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. So let's see what takes place. So um, you can turn over if you're following along in your notes. I'm already on the first main point here. Let's read the parable of the sower, or the planter, or the farmer, the parable of the planter, the sower. Verse number three, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, behold, a sower, let's read it, what did he do? A, a what? A sower went forth to sow, because that's what sowers do. So he goes out to, to plant, so don't let the older word uh, confuse you here, sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. You could say a planter went out to plant. He's sowing seeds in the ground, like many of you will do. How many of you are going to plant seeds of some sort this summer? Who's going to do it in the spring? A few of us? Okay, come on now. Where are my sowers out there? The sowers are out there. All right, good job. Some of you, I got a head nod out of you, but I couldn't get a hand raised, but I'll take the head nod. I'll take the pleasant expression. You know, we're moving along a little bit this morning. So a sower goes forth to sow. Now, verse number four, and when he sowed, 
When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Well, the birds take the seeds. We would expect to harvest, would we? Verse 5, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Verse 8, read the opening part with me, ready, out loud. But other fell into, into what? Good ground. And brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And he concludes by saying, who hath ears to hear, finish it for me, let him hear. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now they're expecting Jesus, and he's been talking about the kingdom, he's been saying the kingdom is at hand, and we've, we've tracked this all throughout this study. They're expecting to hear from Jesus something about, you know, his, the, the, the Messiah, he come, he's the Messiah, how he's going to rule. They want a government to, set, to be set up. They want him to do something about these Romans and something about Herod. They, they're expecting Jesus to change the world right now. And he says, you know what I want to talk to you about today? I want to tell you about a man that went out and planted some seeds. Now, we all, not all of us, but most of you, you know where the story's going. But you've got to put yourself in that first century audience. You've got to be, you've got to imagine that you're that person. You're sitting there, he's out on the boat, and you're just kind of looking at each other like, have you, have you ever been, in a, been to a talk, a speech, or a message, and you're just like, somebody gets up and you're like, what is he talking about? What is she talking about? You ever been in one of those? Well, that's what it, now I'm not saying that's what was happening, but that's what it felt like to them. Why is he talking to us about seeds and this ground and all that? What is this? What's going on? They, they literally, you'll see from the story, they had no clue what he's saying. What is this parable all about? What does he mean? Well, now we need to move in. So this is very simple. So you've got the elements of the story, right? So um, let's just get a couple of things established before we move on to our second point. Let's get a couple of things down. First of all, um, is there any problem with the sower and his sowing? Is there any issue with the one sowing the seed? Nope. Okay. Is there any problem with the seed? Is there anything wrong with the seed? No? Nope. So the sower's doing his job. The seed is all the same. So the only variable in this, so, so, some of you school kids in here, you've got your science projects, you know, about variables. So the only variable in all of this is what? It's the ground. And so what do we see here? How many types of ground are there? Well, there's the wayside. There's the stony ground. There's the thorny ground, and then there's the good ground. So there's four types of ground. Three are bad, one is good. That's the parable. 
And so now I want to come into verses 10 through 17 and I want to talk about kingdom seekers because most people did not understand. And so in verse number 10, look at, look at uh, Matthew 13, 10, the disciples come to Jesus. This is, the inner, this is his, his inner group. These are his closest followers. They come to him and they say, why are you speaking to them in parables? Obviously, they don't understand what, what you're saying. So why don't you just speak straightforwardly to them? And in fact, um, if you read what happens, if you read the parallel account in Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 10, I put this on your handout, I think we have it as well. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 10, the disciples actually come to him. And when he was alone, they that were about him, the closest disciples with the twelve, they asked him, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they asked of him the parable. Of all the people there, who understood the parable? Not a trick question, just think about it. Of all the people there, who understood the parable? Nobody. Did the crowd understand the parable? No. Did the disciples understand the parable? No, they didn't. But what's the difference between the crowd and the disciples? Back to Mark 4.10, if you can put that back up, Mark 4. Mark 4.10, what's the difference between the crowd and the disciples? Yeah, if you didn't hear that, the disciples came and they said, you got to tell us about this parable. You've got to tell us what this means. And this is actually one of the few parables where in just a few minutes, Jesus is going to go back to it, and he's going to walk them through point by point what exactly it means. The, the, the disciples are different because the disciples are kingdom seekers. Do you remember our theme verse? It's actually uh, Matthew 6 and verse number 33. It's on the front of your handout. Matthew 6 and verse number 33. There we go. But seek ye first, what? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'll tell you something about the disciples of Jesus in the passage. They, were, they didn't have it all figured out. They didn't understand everything, but they understood one thing. They understood that Jesus had the truth. They understood that Jesus had the kingdom that they wanted, and they decided that they were going to be kingdom seekers. Now, everybody in the crowd was a kingdom wanter. Everybody was a kingdom taker. Give us your kingdom. Give us the benefits of your kingdom. Jesus, give us what you have to offer. But the disciples were kingdom seekers. And God moves in the hearts of each and every person. At some point in your life, it has, if it has not already happened yet, at some point in your life, God will move in your heart. God will begin to reveal himself to you through his word. And as Jesus begins to reveal himself, each, each man and woman, each boy and girl has a choice that they have to make. At that time, when God begins to speak to you, you have to decide if you will listen 
or if you will already have made up in your mind what you want the truth to be. There are some people, they come to Jesus, they come to church, they come to... And you, you, I've just seen this theme throughout this, this book so far in, in Matthew, is the difference. A lot of people wanted to be near Jesus, but very few people wanted to truly, simply re receive from him. Everybody wanted Jesus to, to take their idea or to give them what they wanted, but the disciples, they're kingdom seekers. And what happens for the kingdom seekers? Even though they may not understand the truth at first, Jesus is then going to go a little deeper with them. He's going to explain it to them. Read verse, um, read verse 10 back in Matthew 13 again. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Verse 11, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given. They're not able to receive it. Now, the question is always why. Is this, is this completely arbitrary? Is God just deciding, well, this group of people over here, I'll let them have the truth. This group of people over here, I won't let them have truth. There are some people that see it that way. I don't think that's a, when you, when you understand all the scripture, I don't think that's an accurate understanding of the scripture. I think it is to a degree dependent on the heart of the person. Why do you say that? Because look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. For whosoever hath or whoever has to him shall be what? And he shall have what? More. So if you have something, you're going to be given what? More. But if you have nothing, you're going to lose even what you have. Now remember, Jesus is speaking about physical things or spiritual things. If you come to Jesus, and this is the beautiful thing about the life of the disciple, the life of the believer. If you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't have much, but I will receive you. Give me what you have. You, start, you may start with just a little. You may start with just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of belief, but then who fills your life with abundance? Jesus does. Jesus does. But there are some people that come to Jesus and they won't have anything. And what happens is no matter how much they hear and how, no matter how much they may be exposed, no matter how much they hear, no matter how much they say, do they move spiritually forward at all? In fact, their starting point might have been here. They may have had some spiritual knowledge, but then they actually move in what direction? They move back. When you, when, when the Bible says this, there's another passage like this. I love this one. You find this in the book of James, and there's one other book that you find it. I, it might be in 1 Peter. I cannot remember, though. The Bible says this. God resists who? Yep, you know it. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I think that's exactly what you're seeing in a passage like this. There's people who come to Jesus and they simply receive from him who he says he is. They may not have a lot, but Jesus says, I'm going to give you grace. 
I'm going to reveal my truth to you. That's the disciples. But then the whole crowd, they've got, they, when Jesus is feeding, when Jesus is healing, when Jesus is doing all those things, they stay around. But when he teaches hard things, they back away. And so he speaks to them in parables. And verse 14, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing, ye shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For the people's heart is waxed gross. I mean, it's like an enlarged heart. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. When a person closes their eyes to the truth, God does not give them more truth. And that's a warning that Jesus has given a couple of times. When, when you begin, if you do not receive, if God is speaking to your heart right now, if God has spoken to your heart at a time in your life, and you close your ears, and you close your eyes, God does not respond by giving you more truth. Now, praise God, sometimes and very often, well, we know always He's a gracious God. And there are many of us that he's given us second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. But do not, do not impose upon the mercy of God. If he just gives you one chance, it is more than you or I deserve. If God just speaks to us once, but oh, praise God that he's merciful and he comes again and again. But there's no guarantee this the, the, what happens, it's this, you read about this, there's other examples in the Bible, like I shared, that, I think a couple weeks ago, I've been reading, I, I, I read the book of Exodus, and there's a guy named Pharaoh. You've heard of him, probably. And God says, Pharaoh, you need to let, Moses says, Pharaoh, you need to let the people go. And Pharaoh says, no. Do you know what happens all throughout that story? Pharaoh's heart gets, does anybody know the word? Yeah, it gets harder and harder and harder. And you know, sometimes it actually says, sometimes it says that Pharaoh hardens his heart, and other times it says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. So be careful. There's nothing more dangerous than, there's nothing more dangerous than to, to see the truth, but not really see it. And to hear the truth, but not really. If you're not going to have a humble heart, there's no more dangerous place for you to be than in a, by, during a Bible message. Right? Now, that applies to both. I believe that this passage is, we can apply it to both people who have never believed in Jesus yet, but also for those of us who are Christians. When we stop listening to God's moving in our heart, it can lead us to some dark places where we don't want to be. Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied of that. And then we come to the text that we begin with, verse number 16. Then he looks at his disciples. If you're a disciple of Jesus in here this morning, could you say amen? If that's true, then Jesus looks at you right now, and I think he smiles when he says this. I'm imagining the story. He says, oh, but yes, so many people have they're closed their eyes, they've closed their ears, but blessed are your eyes, for they see. 
and your ears, for they hear. Aren't you glad that God speaks to you? Aren't you glad for the day that you said yes to Jesus? And ever since then, he's just been revealing more and more of himself to you. It's, a, it's just blessed to, to be able to read the Bible. If you read, if you read the Bible with, with this kind of heart and these kinds of eyes, then the words, they're words of life. They're words that have changed you. They're words that will transform you. And you hear a message and you walk away differently than you came in. I was really encouraged this week. I preached last Sunday and there were two men in the church. They, um, actually, one was a guest. And, and so I don't think these guys know each other. But they both like said almost the exact testimony based on the passage. We preached the passage last week and they came up to me afterwards and they said, you know, this happened in my life and God used that. That's exactly how God worked in my heart. And two different, two different men with the almost identical testimony, the situation in their life. And I was just like, wow. And it was part of the message that I thought was the least impactful part of the message. And it was like, man, because what we do on Sunday, what we do when, when somebody gets up here and preaches, it's, it's, we're, just we're just explaining the Bible. And it's not the preacher or the teacher. It's the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. And that's just a, it's a blessing. That word blessed, it means happy or, or, or satisfied. It's a wonderful life to, to know the truth of, of God and to hear Jesus speak. So if you're here and you'd say, boy, that sounds wonderful. I'd like that. I'd like God to speak to me through the Bible. I'd like to, I'd like to, listen, it starts with a humble heart that says, Jesus, I'm not going to bring my ideas to your word. I'm not going to bring my expectations. I'm going to receive what you have. And I'm just going to believe it by faith. Believe it by faith. Verse 17. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now pause on this verse. What is he saying? Was there anything wrong with those prophets and righteous men? No. He's talking about people like the Old Testament prophets. He's talking about people like Moses and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all those guys. He's talking about them. What is he saying? What is it that the disciples get to see and hear that even the greatest of the old heroes of the faith in the Old Testament did not? Why, what is Jesus talking about that they get to see, that, that the disciples get to see, that those old time prophets didn't get to see? Does anybody know what it is? Or I should say who it is? It's him. Yeah, it's Jesus. He's saying for centuries, for centuries, the Jewish believers, they had this whole part of the Bible right here. And there's some really cool stuff in this part of the Bible. I mean, David and Goliath is here. That's one of my favorite stories. And Samson is in here. And uh, Daniel in the lion's den is in here. And the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all those, all those really cool guys from, with those great stories of faith. 
But he says, hey, you disciples, you Galilean fishermen and you guys from, uh, from all over, hey, you've got something that even the greatest of the Old Testament believers didn't have. You know about me and you've heard my words. And can I share something with you guys? We have even more than they had at that moment in time. We have the whole Bible. We have the completion of the scriptures. There are people that for centuries wanted to know all the mysteries of God that he was slowly unveiling, and we have all of it. We have it all. The Bible says that in the scriptures are all things that are needed for life and godliness. You have the answer to every question of life that you could ever face. You probably have a printed edition or two or three of these. You probably have an app on all of your devices that you can take everywhere you go. You have things, you have things that people for the centuries wish they could have. But can I also share this with you? You have something, I have something, that there are even people in the world today that wish that they could have. A, a complete copy of the scriptures. There's still places in the world where, where people only have portions of the Bible. Or they, they have access to the Bible, but they have to read it in a second language. It's not in their first language. Blessed are your eyes, blessed are your ears. But the question is this. Seeing, do you see? And hearing, do you hear? Are you hearing what God has for you? Well, now that we're prepared, we know, we've heard the parable. We know the, the blessing of being a true kingdom seeker. And now let's look at how Jesus explains this good ground for our spiritual growth. How many of you would like to grow spiritually? You know, like... Do we spend enough time thinking about that? How many of you would like to grow financially? You didn't raise your hands. Come on now. Right? <laughs> do we spend time trying to make that happen and planning for it? Of course we do. You know, you don't have to raise your hand for all these, but they're, they're uh, just, uh, um, can't the word. Anyway, the, um, so... You know, how many like to grow financially? How many like to grow professionally? How many like to grow, you know, in your, you know, in your exercise world, in your, in your fitness routine? We think about all these things. We're like, yeah, I need to get here. I need to get there. Well, we need to grow spiritually. We need to grow. We need, what, is, what is God doing in your life today? What, did God, what is God doing in your life uh, yesterday or this week? What is God doing in your life right now? How are you growing to now? What has God shown you recently? Well, this shows us that we can make sure we have good ground for spiritual growth. So verse 18, Jesus looks at the disciples and I think with tenderness and, and, and joy because he knows they're going to get it when, and they care. He says, verse 18, all right, guys. Here's the parable of the sower. Let me explain it to you. Verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. 
This is he which receives seed by where? So we've got ground number one. Ground number one is the, it's the wayside. Now what happens? The word of the kingdom. So now we know what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. So now somebody hears this word. They hear the gospel. They hear the truth or, or they hear something from the word of God. It hits their heart. It's like, hmm. But they don't what? They don't understand it. They don't understand it. Well, it seems like that's not really fair, right? They just don't understand it. Who can blame them for that? Well, wait a minute. Put the whole thing in context. The disciples didn't understand it first either. So they didn't understand it. And so then the disciples don't understand it. Where do they go? They go to Jesus. But the seed by the wayside, I see this as the person that's like, oh, I don't know. That sounds interesting, but I don't understand. And then what do they do? They just move on. Well, there's good seed that could change their life. And they've heard it and it hits their heart, but they don't take that next step. And what happens? The devil comes and what? Snatches it away. It's gone. This is a hard one. Because I've, I've seen it many times with people where they... They may have, it could be in a variety of settings, but somehow somebody points them to the truth. Somebody points them to the Bible, and they just, they just let it bounce off. That's, that's a ground that is not good ground. I don't understand. And then they move on. Well, verse 20. Now Jesus says, let's talk about the second type of ground. Receiving the seed in stony places. Stony place. Remember, there's not much root. So it's just enough for it to sprout up. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and immediately, anon, immediately, with joy, he receives it. This is great! Wow! This is wonderful! And it sounds good. And it sounds appealing. And they say, yes, I want to. I, I, yeah, this sounds like it could help my life. And so they quickly latch onto it. But verse 21, there's no what? There's no root. The truth never gets below surface level. It stays right out there at surface level. It never gets buried in the person's heart. And what happens? Well, Jesus gives the examples of what stony ground is like. But then, tribulation. What is tribulation? Yeah, hard times. But then, hard times. Or persecution. Somebody looks at you and is like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why do you, like, they mock or they, uh, maybe even some more serious form of persecution. Basically, it's like, wow, Jesus sounds great. This sounds good. This sounds like it would help my life. And they start to go a little ways, but because it never sank deep into their heart, they, there was never any true life transformation that took place. I describe this as people that they want to sprinkle a little, a little bit of Jesus in their life to make things, you know, like need a little spirituality here, need a little religion here. But then the very first time, they're like, oh, I don't know if this is what I signed up for. 
This is the person whose faith is more about for what they can get out of it than for who Jesus really is. So the first time a difficulty comes, the first time uh, tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Now, that word offended isn't in the sense of like, you know, oh, I am so offended, right? That the, the point of offended is it's like a stumbling block. It's like they went so far and then boom, an offense came that stopped them. All right, so that's the second one Jesus says. Verse 21, or verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, but now the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. What do they do? They choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So this one wasn't about hard times. You could say that this one was good times. Some turn away from the some turn away from the truth because of some of the hard sayings of the Bible, but then some people they turn away from the truth because of the good times that the world has to offer. What are these things? Like it sounds so it sounds so like harsh in the passage, the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. But but what makes riches deceitful? Because, well, they're deceitful because it appears like they're going to make your life really great. Really good. Listen, why do people why why will people uh, why do people play the lottery? Right? It's because not because they think something bad is going to happen to them, but because something good is going to happen to them. They're going to get a lot of money. Because everybody knows that that will solve our problems. The money now, I'm not saying that money doesn't have... The Bible teaches a good use of money, but it's deceitful. And what happens is there are people that cannot... They cannot follow Jesus because they have fallen in love with money, worldly endeavors and pursuits. They're just having too good a time right here, right now, to think about eternity. Isn't this a problem for... Why is why in our in our in Western countries in Europe and in North America that church attendance is at all time lows? Spiritual life is is retreating in the West. Why? Well, there could be a number of factors, but I don't think you can discount the prosperity of our culture. If you will go to places in the world where people do not have as many cares of the world as many riches, you'll find Christianity is actually flourishing. It's flourishing. You go to uh, Africa right now, and, and Christianity is uh, growing by leaps and bounds year after year after year. You go to places in South America, you see, you see Christianity flourishing. It's amazing. But where we have everything, sometimes we can say, well, why do I need God when my life is going pretty well? Jesus warned about that. That is the thorns, the weeds that come in and they choke out 
what God would do in our lives. Verse 23. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. There are those, and there always have been those, who let the word of God plant deep, deep in their heart. They believe, they truly receive, and God does a miraculous transforming work in their life. We could go around this, the room this morning, and you, many of you could give testimony to the fruit that God brought forth in your life. Some, some of you, it, it, it's like if we looked at your life before, you, you might say your life is changed by a hundred times. Anybody in here, you'd say, amen, my life has changed a hundred times. Maybe some of you 30, maybe some 60. I don't know. There's different levels of fruit that have, but the point is this. When the word of God, when Jesus really gets into somebody and they've truly received him, there is a transformation that takes place in their life. There is fruit that, that grows in their life. Are you thankful for what God has done in your life? Would you like God to do something in your life? If you're here today and you'd say, you know, Ethan, I just, you know, this sounds good to me. I think I need Jesus. Well, it starts with a humble heart. It starts with a heart that says, Jesus, I cannot, I cannot follow you on my own. I cannot save myself. See, the Christian life begins with total surrender. The Christian life, salvation begins with complete faith. It's not, it doesn't begin with complete work. It starts with, I will believe in Christ. I will trust him alone as my savior. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose from the dead so that we would simply believe in him. Have you received Christ as your savior? Has there been a time in your life where you have made that decision to say, Jesus, yes, I believe your word. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I receive you into my heart. Let Jesus plant deep into your life. If you've never done that, you can receive him today. Just trust him by faith. I believe that this passage, in the context Jesus is talking about his kingdom and those that received and those that rejected, I, I think the overwhelming nature of the passage is, is dealing with salvation. It's dealing with people who are either true believers in Christ or they're false believers. Hopefully you are a true believer of Jesus. You've, you've, you're not in it for what you can get, but you've, you've trusted him by faith. But I do think there is an application even for the true believers here. Because the soft ground of your heart that said yes to Jesus all those years or months ago can become hard again sometimes. Have you found that to be true in your life? Where maybe a, a little while ago, when you read the Bible and you, you heard messages, man, God just tugged at your heart and you, you were surrendered to him. But now it's like, oh, you know, I've got other things to worry about. 
I've got the, there's distractions. I don't know if I want to go, I don't know if I want to follow him that far. I think it's a good time for you and I as Christians to evaluate our hearts. Yes, we may have received Christ, but I think there's a, a regular surrender that needs to happen over and over again, where we say, Jesus, just, the, the prophet said, there was a, the Old Testament prophet, I didn't look this verse up, I just remembered it right now, break up the, fall, the fallow ground. Before you can plant, you got to dig in there and, and run that, run that rototiller. Run that plow over it and just say, God, just break up the ground of my heart again. I used to be so tender and now I've got a little hard. Whether you need to receive Jesus for the first time and become a Christian, or you just need God to re reopen your eyes and reopen your ears, why don't you take a few minutes here at the end of the service and let God work in your life? So let's bow our heads and come to prayer. This is a our time to respond right now. So it's a quiet moment. If possible, let's not move around or leave the service if possible. But let's just think about that statement. If, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? Do you see what God has for you today? So first off, I said this a few minutes ago, but first off, have you ever received Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever been saved? If not, this is an opportunity right now for you to confess your sin and to believe on Christ. You say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says that if, if you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. So right now you could pray a prayer with me just like this. You could pray something like this. Say, dear Lord... I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask you to save me. I put my faith in you and you alone. Jesus, I believe in you. If you pray something like that from a sincere heart, you can know that you are a child of God. After the service two weeks ago, I had two young men come up to me and say they wanted to make sure that they had put their faith in Jesus, and we prayed that prayer together. Maybe that's you. You'd say, yeah, I, I want to make sure that I've truly received Christ. Just tell him. Just tell him right now. Say, Jesus, yes, I believe in you. I can't save myself. I'm a sinner. You died for me. You rose again. Please save me. Put your faith in him. If you have questions about that, I'd love to just fill it out on your connection card. And if you'd like a, a, just to have a private conversation as well, say, hey, I want to make sure I understand this correctly. We'd love to help you with that. You can fill it out on the card and someone will reach out to you. But now we'll end with a time of prayer for Christians, for believers. How many of you would say, you know what? My ears have started to close up a little bit. And this morning, God, God opened them back up again. My eyes were getting a little blurry in my spiritual vision. Well, as the, as the instruments play softly right now, and we have a time of prayer, just re-surrender your heart to the Lord.
This is our opportunity right in this moment. We'll just take a minute and we'll pray together. Pastor Aaron will close the time in prayer, but just take some time right now and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the message we heard this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the seed that's been sown in our lives. Lord, we thank you for those of us who have received it. Help us to grow each and every day. Help our eyes to continue to be open and our ears to continue to hear. Father, I pray someone in here doesn't know you as their savior. They've never put their faith in you, that today would be the day that they'd understand their need of a savior, that they'd place their faith in you and you alone. Help each and every one of us to continue to walk with you each and every day, to continue to listen, to continue to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.